I'm Alan, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Welcome, welcome, maybe, maybe welcome back. That would be great. Uh, A welcome back, implying that if you're hearing this, you are now a repeat listener to our little baby podcast, Target Snark It. This is where we discuss either with a special guest or as a group here together, stories, issues, trends, events within the marketing and business world that simply need discussing, in our opinion. Uh, Meaning the central topic of discussion is either something we think is awesome or we think it sucks and it needs to be addressed like now, like straight away. So uh, the reason we're doing this is really because our team at Broad Digital Consulting, uh, we've been in the marketing world for a long time and we have a lot of conviction about a couple of things. First and foremost, which may feel a little bit contradictory or ironic or even hypocritical, let's let's even potentially call it that, that capitalism is less than great, but it is the framework in which we currently operate. Uh, not just here, the three of us that are hosting, but uh, sort of, uh, you know, at least America. And, uh, you know, obviously we work inside of that space. We literally in our digital consulting world help uh, companies who make a lot of money make even more. So we understand that like, are we the best people to talk about this? Maybe some people say no. I personally think that it makes us even more qualified to talk about the things that really need changing. Uh, We also feel a lot of conviction around the fact that we, you know, those of us who are hosting and also those of us who are listening and those of us in marketing or in operating inside of a capitalist framework should be able to at least feel good about our own choices inside that framework. Meaning, you know, we should be able to look at all of business and marketing through a lens that is going to I mean, first of all, make it more effective. That's proven. But also, it's going to make it better for everyone, your audience that you're marketing to and your employees. So, you know, there are a few questions that we like to really uh, examine a lot of these issues through the lens of. And that's, you know, is is what you're doing sustainable? Is it humane, which is really going to be where we focus today? Is it ethical? Is it responsible? That's like a like S-H-E-R, sure. Should we do that? Is that a thing that we should like, like <laughs> broad digital consulting is like, like we coined the sure framework. Like, are you sure? You know, no, I'm getting nothing. <laughs> it's giving North Dakota. It's giving, it's for sure <laughs> giving North Dakota. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You know what? We're very underrepresented in <laughs> marketing and advertising in uh, we are not underrepresented in Congress. 
<laughs> I was going to say, but like, that's not actually true. Uh, but yeah, are you sure? I don't know. I feel like it's fun. Like Anyhow, it. uh, sustainable, humane, ethical, responsible. Uh, that's it. That's a whole pod. No. Just kidding. Uh, but for this episode, we do want to talk about like, what do we even mean when we say those things? I think that we know, and we've had a lot of conversations, the three of us, and I think that it probably resonates with our listeners more or less that, you know, you can say this shit all the time. You can repeat the jargon, the buzzwords, the diversity, the equity, the responsible, the sustainable is another new big one, right? But what do we, what do we fucking mean when we say that, right? Sustainable, human, responsible, ethical, biz and marketing, biz marky. No. Okay. I'm going to, I think You're I'm putting fine. all the jokes in this episode, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I was really hoping to lead with my, my biz marquee reference, uh, to keep it both keep young current <laughs> and relevant. Keep that blood young. <laughs> this isn't a regular episode. It's a funny episode. It's a cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, Owen continues to bring the mean girls to every pod they're on. So that that <laughs> is only where we, <laughs> where we reliably have, have relevance. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that these questions are literally something we're using this pod and each other and our guests to, to wrestle with is, you know, how can we both achieve our business goals and also shock of shocks, respect the humanity in both our audiences and our teams. Uh, so shit, let's kick it off then. This uh, The first topic that we want to discuss really centers on our audience. And this is a huge pet peeve of mine, y'all. But it is also something that I have found myself doing that is so easy for marketers to get caught up in. And it's like, well, how can it be a pet peeve if you do it too? Because shit works like that sometimes, okay? And so... I want to talk about like your audience for people who are trying to market or sell or they have customers, no matter if you're a small business or a real, real big business, your audience, they are not just metrics on a Salesforce dashboard, right? Like they are not just numbers. They are humans. So uh, Kaylee, talk to me about this, about how we are apparently marketing to humans nowadays. Well, first, I'd like to talk about only the numbers um, oh. in, today's, <laughs> in today's marketing lesson for everyone. Put on your hats. We're talking about the target audiences and buyer personas. So those differences are your target audience is the group of users that are likely to buy your product, visit your property, engage in some way with your brand, while your buyer persona, on the other hand, is created from all of that beautiful data your receipts, your surveys, surveying your sales team, your marketing team, current and past customers, lining it all up with your Google and CRM and seeing if it tracks. Okay. So, so really fast. Yeah. The target audience and the buyer personas, they're different, but they're like a Venn diagram, right? It's like a, it's a better than a Venn diagram because it's a circle in a circle. Like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Your buyers are in that target audience. It's just the people that are like more likely to make those bigger purchases than anyone that's more like bottom of the barrel going to buy anyway. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So now you have an MBA in marketing. 
You're welcome. There you go. I feel feel so educated. You're like, this pod is doing so much already today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So any businesses who have gone through a buyer persona building workshop of some sort, or if you've been in an agency that's built these buyer persona workshops, you know you're given all this information about who is likely to buy, what their demographic is, where you can find them. Maybe we name them Mary. And so what's what's going on with all this? I have so much information and nothing to do with all these numbers. So the thing that most businesses don't do is take a step back and think about like the actual people of what those what those personas because a persona is a person. What? Um, I know. Mary I'm getting like I'm getting like North Dakota. I'm getting MBA. I'm getting Latin. Maybe I don't. Is that is that the the derivation yeah. of the word persona? I'm getting I'm getting three syllable words. Go wow, off. wow, wow, <laughs> go off. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of businesses tend to use their human aspect in the form of influencers coming in for the assist for the marketing teams, mm. adding in that layer between the human and the buyer of saying building that trust, showing what the listeners are concerned about, what their needs and comments are for a better product. I think Danielle and myself can talk about shapewear pretty well. Mm. I know I don't trust anything that hasn't been put on a larger body and hasn't had the roll test. Yes. I And I need to see the roll test from now on. Oh, Oh, that is something that we will eventually definitely have to talk about. But like, no, I mean, I agree with you because like that that's a really, a really fucking elegant way to point out. And also like a very daily problem sort of a thing to point out that like, think about how much what it, it skims when I, was it was it skims that first put like the large body in the shape mm-hmm. where for the advertising and everybody was like shit they can do that like we can use fat people that's crazy you know mm-hmm. and like as a a fat person myself like that was something that really spoke to me that you're right like once i saw that i went i'm never going to buy shapewear that doesn't feature a body that looks like mine. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're not just throwing an ad up there. You're treating your customer like the human that they are. Right. And humans are different. Mm-hmm. Every person is different. And so being able to be a business that takes that incentive to understand who your audience is even listening to, who they follow online, what their problem is and what you're doing to solve it, that tends to be what people forget in building out those beautiful buyer personas. I think, you know, we've discussed representation in advertising in a future episode that you'll receive maybe, but uh, (laughs) we've already recorded it. Uh, But like talking about specifically, you know, underrepresentation across people who aren't men. (laughs) And I think it's really interesting to think about that problem of, of humanity in branding and advertising when you consider how taboo something like thinks was Mm -hmm. not to say that thinks is like this incredible uh company and now that we know that they there's apparently chemicals 
in their period underwear. They were also, a first of their kind, I would 100%. say. But there yeah. are now other options without right. the chemicals. <laughs> right, right. Or like, you know, the the underwear brands that feature people with all different kinds of not just body sizes, but like body hair and mm-hmm. stretch marks and like you know, different uh, figures and not just from a size perspective, but just like angles and age, genders and age and like, yeah, wrinkles, like treating, treating people like humans as opposed to really what marketing was in the 90s, early aughts, really like all of all time before this, which is, yeah, for for literally ever, (laughs) like the ideal Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then another great example that doesn't necessarily go along with representation as much as listening to your audience is uh, Tylenol. Mm-hmm. Our favorite little hangover helper was li- doing social media listening, and they found that people who knit often suffer from migraines due to constant eye strain. So through that social listening, they then looked it up and they found knitting enthusiasts complaining about headaches on social message boards, online forums. And so Tylenol found this basically a new market and they made minor tweaks to their SEO to also include people who are doing late night crafts and they have a whole new wave of buyers for the medication. That is wild. That is absolutely right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I know that that's something that we've helped clients do with like finding, you know, I like to call them sleeper audiences, right? That ultimately are when you're digging through your metrics and and to your point, Kaylee, when you're like, like you have to look at those metrics in order to start to think about what the story says. And then you have to, you have to layer that human element into it too, right? Like when I think about, um, you know, we we had a client a few years ago that uh, sold vacuum cleaners and they had a very specific, you know, audience approach and they had specific demographic that uh, that had like, I think like longest time on site was what they were really interested in and most pages visited, which is like common, right? Engagement metrics that that must mean that uh, somebody is really engaged with your site and somebody's mm-hmm. really interested in your product. So like, that's an easy connection to make. But one of the things that we found too, was that this group of really uh, millennials aged like 30 to 45, weren't spending a lot of time on site, weren't uh, visiting a lot of pages, but also were their second biggest buying demographic and a repeat demographic. So when you look at something like that, it might be confusing until you layer in that human element and you go, well, people age 30 to 45 are kind of, they're almost digital native, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're like mostly entrenched in digital all day, every day. So they may not need as much time perusing a site, which would minimize their time on site. They may know what they're go they're looking for and they find it right away because maybe they're better with like uh search strings since literally we were being taught like Boolean logic, I remember in high school and in college. And so 
that's something that's just something that we grew up with. So maybe I just know how to more effectively find what I'm looking for faster. And I don't necessarily need the extra time on site. So yeah, it ended up being kind of a sleeper audience that they had not really paid attention to because of low engagement metrics, but was reflected then we saw in a lot of like, like I said, the repeat purchases, the buying, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think too, you mentioned like naming the personas, like Mary. I I like to use aggressive Alice because like people are like, what the fuck? (laughs) Sounds like an L word character. Like (laughs) it is an L word character. (laughs) Wait, Alice or aggressive Alice? Aggressive Alice. (laughs) That's probably why my brain was like, associate. (laughs) (laughs) I am adding something to this conversation. It's gay, but (laughs) I think, no, I I like to use aggressive Alice just because I think it, it helps poke fun a little bit at how religiously we have a tendency to use persona profiles and then box people in right? Mm -hmm. Like, instead of listening to what the data tells us about humans, it's listening to what the data told us at one point in time about humans. And now we're using it to define humans henceforth, you know, forever. And, and that, that persona work, I think, you know, and, and Kaylee, one of the, the workshops that I know you helped us pioneer was really digging into what that persona means. And I see our clients find it massively effective in terms of connecting with the persona in a totally Mm -hmm. different way. That it's not just aggressive. Alice likes to yell and she lives in Florida. Like it's not, it's not limiting somebody. Sorry, Kaylee, you live in Florida. I know that was an attack, but it's fine. (laughs) But like it, it forces them when, when you introduce that human element to go like, okay, well, like, what does Alice like to do? Like, what are some of Alice's favorite activities? Like, don't look at the sheet. Just tell me, you know, you know, aggressive Alice. Like we all, we all know aggressive Alice, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I know that with, um, when I was working at a pizza or when I was doing marketing for a pizzeria, we had the cool mom. And the whole time I was just thinking of my sister and I was like, you know, she does yoga. Maybe she dabbles in crystals, but she's definitely on TikTok. does not know how to use it. Like, you know, these people, <laughs> Yeah, right. like that's the purpose. <laughs> right. And I know like a lot of people are afraid of stereotyping and that's, you know, personal work is stereotyping to a degree, of course, like we kind of can't get away with from that, away from that, excuse me, we we definitely get away with it. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, I think that is always the most interesting thing to go through some of these workshops and hear our clients say like, I feel like I know Randy. You know, I feel like I know uh, Brittany or whoever. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I know Preston. Uh, that that they're thinking of somebody in particular. And that does help 
bring them to life because they go, how would the Randy in my head respond to this? Like I can actually see this sort of interaction. I I wonder about how they'd react to this ad or engage with this material. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I would say like that kind of exercise is actually sort of elevating the humanity Mm -hmm. of your personas. It just adds a little bit more dimension to it of like, you know, we've done this before of, oh, this persona, you know, they're maybe they're political. So they're probably they're not that young. So maybe they aren't on Twitter or Reddit, but maybe they're on some of the other alternative platforms out there. Like it's just a way to kind of start the conversation to think outside of the box. Right. Well, and I know like Al and Keely, you you all have done a lot of work with some of our clients that are uh, more um, LGBTQ focused in particular, like we've talked about representation before. And, you know, I think that that understanding the humanity of your audience and not not just understanding it, but respecting it and acting with respect towards that humanity almost demands representation. It Mm -hmm. demands also internally that you have people in the room who identify with that group of humans, you know, especially if you're talking about marginalized communities. Like if you've got a group of like, I think, you know, obviously Sex in the City might seem like a bad example considering it was like wildly successful. Also, though, this was like, you know, 20 plus years ago that it was wildly successful. That writer's room was almost entirely men. Yeah. And like some of them were gay, but like very few, if any, were women. And so, or even, you know, uh, Mike White has has been critiqued for with like the White Lotus, like he is the sole writer on that show. He is a white guy writing for characters who aren't. And so I think, you know, acting with respect to that humanity kind of demands that you ask that question. I don't know. What do you think? I think it definitely starts, that kind of starts tiptoeing into the demand of having the people in the room to have the conversation, because that way you're able to hear outside thoughts, which are so important. Um, I think even internally, all of us, if as long as we're able to talk it out and talk out why we disagree on something or why we're pushing back on something, it can either take us to this new place that's better than we were before, or it's like, I don't really, I still am not understanding where you're coming from. Like, we need to keep talking about this if it's as big of a problem as you're talking about, you know? I think that goes into the argument, though, of are people comfortable enough to speak up when they're in those seats? Sure, sure. Which, of course, we address in another episode. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. I feel like I like, like, we're like the keeper of like this mystery box. And we're like, hmm. You have so many, so many presents. When will you get one? Mm, <laughs> see. So, so, uh, and you know, kind of this, this goes really nicely into the other piece that we wanted to discuss, which is like, not just are your prospects and your users and your readers and listeners, you dear listeners, and, and your audience humans and you know you need to respect that but also respecting that humanity 
uh, may just mean that you also have to respect the humanity of the people that you work alongside of. Wow. Uh, So, you know, it's so, again, so, so, so easy to ignore because like we work with them and you almost like you take it for granted in a way that like everybody works and everybody works the way I work, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody operates the way I operate. I have had too many bosses in my life. It's one of the reasons that I left to start my own business that really demanded their management style was everybody who reports to me has to bend to my personality and what I need. And I always thought that was really fucking stupid, that the way to manage people should be to manage to what they need so you can get the most and the best out of them. You know, but again, I think we do take it for granted. The people we work with, the people who work for us, the people we work for, we forget that they're humans too. Despite all evidence that shows that when we treat the people in our businesses like humans and we respect their humanity, they perform better. Mm-hmm. These teams are human. Your coworkers, your boss, your employees, they're all human. And humans tend to bring their best selves to places where they feel like they're valued. I don't know. Alan, I have heard that humans have feelings. And that we should do our best to not fucking hurt them all the time. Big news, if true. Breaking news. (laughs) (laughs) Humans are humans. A, column A. (laughs) Column B. And humans have feelings. Wild. Like, honestly. Um, But also, I feel like forgetting that is also human. You know, like... (laughs) that's fine i forget this thing in traffic like did you just undo our entire podcast yeah no okay (laughs) (laughs) but like you don't even know how deeply i almost undid it and then i like (laughs) i followed the prompt okay sure sure now i now i feel like i'm the holder of the box of secrets (laughs) (laughs) i've i've bequeathed to you the mystery box (laughs) thank you or did you steal Um, it i don't know i think we don't know it's a mystery but anyway with the advent of ai i did want to slip this in here i think this discussion on like humanity what's human humans having feelings ai taking jobs etc you see where i'm going here like this yeah, discussion well. is going to be pertinent um and it's not going to get any less pertinent yeah anyway but humans feel stuff and we all know people who seem to struggle to understand that if sure. you may know you know right but there's like fortunately like you said a ton of research and data to back up the fact that not hurting your team's feelings, your coworkers, even your bosses or whatever is overall beneficial for a business, wow. for performance, for retention. And specifically what I found interesting was like recognition makes mm-hmm. a giant difference. And it is still like in, like, I guess it's 2023 now, but the studies I looked at were in like 2021, 2022. And it was like, 60 some percent of people feel like they have never received verbal recognition for a job well done at their job. Like that's so much, you know, wild. Yep. 
And they did a like kind of a survey that said, why do you feel a lack of like lackluster at your job? Are you considering quiet quitting, et cetera? And they found that like a lack of um, recognition contributed to 44% of employees saying wow. like, yeah, I'm, I'm quiet quitting. That's like, wow. that's nearly halfsies. That's, I, you know, it's so, it's so funny that you bring this up because like, I am a huge millennial apologist, right? Like I'm a vintage millennial. I stand up for us, et cetera, et cetera. I refuse. I refuse to bend to the X annual bullshit and it is bullshit, but that's for a different pod. Anyhow, like millennials have been accused, have been blamed, I mean, for everything, but like for the last like two decades have been blamed for like needing a hug and they need a gold star all the time. And it's because they all got trophies when they were kids and we participation trophies, despite the fact that like we didn't fucking give the participation trophies to ourselves first and foremost, but It is wild to me how condescending other generations were and and how much certain millennials ran to distance themselves from this critique for simply the the apparently Herculean task of telling your team that they did a good job. Like, what fucking asshole babies we are that we just want to be told whether or not we got something right (laughs) and like get credit for the work that we did oh god will we never stop will we know okay also here this is research i did for something else for another client but i was doing demographic research and i had generational demographic research and it was Fucking not shocking, but fascinating because they broke up salaries by the gens. And it was like baby boomers in general make average 112000 a year in the US. The silent generation, Gen X, $100,000. And then you get to millennials and you are at 49K. And then you get to Gen Z, they're also at 49K. Okay, tell me. I quit. I quit this podcast. I quit capitalism. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that baby just wants the hugs. Right. Right. Like, and it, it always killed me when people, millennials, they're just job hoppers. And I'm like, oh, wow. We're so sorry. I will be the first to write you an apology note for essentially enabling the rest of you older fuckers to leave jobs that don't value you even if you've only been there for a year or two because now millennials started that thing we were the big job hoppers and now everybody does it now recruiters literally know like it used to be like oh if somebody's at a job for less than like two years and they do this a lot like to be wary of them, companies now just prepare to only have people for like two to three years before they move on. And like, if you want to blame us, fine. But like, I'll take the thank you note anytime. Kaylee, what were you saying? Not for nothing. There's been two major seasons of layoffs in the last three years between COVID layoffs, which I was hit by and everyone being hit right now. Like, Right. So, yeah. How can we have 
jobs for 10 years. Like we're the first one in, last one out type deal or right. whatever, vice versa. Yeah. Last <laughs> like- one in, first one out. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, that's, that's my own pet peeve digression. Uh, but really, I just think it's wild that like seeing that almost half of people are willing to literally up and fucking leave a job because they don't get the recognition for the hard fucking work they've been doing. This isn't like a participation trophy. And this isn't like, I, I hate this attitude of like, uh, that's why we pay you. Well, that's why I fucking show up every day. Mm-hmm. You pay me to show up every day and check off boxes. But I'm here and I'm working hard and I don't have to work this hard. So if all you're going to give me is a salary, then I'm going to make sure that that's all I give you in return. Exactly. And 40 hours a week, the amount of hours we're working, and we'll we'll touch on this later, but like that's a huge chunk of our literal lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And human beings, like we biologically are wired with like reward systems in our brains to need reinforcement. Like this isn't like, oh, woo woo, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. Okay. Do you want to call Pavlov? Or (laughs) fucking like whoever made that that motherfucker up. Like (laughs) it's more uh, technically it's operant conditioning, but like I was a dog trainer, so we'll get to we'll get to okay. that later. Well, I just got an MBA in fucking psychology, I think. <laughs> We're learning, right? AMA. I mean, honestly, too, like if you feel like your workplace is unfair, studies show that like you're less productive. Danielle, you touched on this. Like, yeah, you pay me to show up and, and do these tests that you listed on my contract, but if you want more, right? Um they're more likely to engage in deceptive behavior. And I think, interesting. I think anecdotally in my life, not like me being the bad guy, but like knowing like that's true. Like in environments that I've been in that are toxic, not nobody feels recognized, like deceptive behavior. Oh, guilty, low. My first job, Danielle, where we met. Yeah. That's how things were ran. Right. Well, I mean, the, the the company itself was deceptive, but like, I I think that like, it's not surprising to me that employees who eventually look around and go, look, fuckers, if you're not going to value me, why do I value you? You know, it's, it's talking about the, you know, we're seeing a reckoning with this now too. the concept of why do I have to give you two weeks notice if you wouldn't even give me two weeks severance? Mm-hmm. Period. Like, if you can cut me loose and I'm done that day and I'm out on the street looking for a job, why do I have to care about whether or not you give, I give you any notice if I leave? And you hear all the time and it's been ingrained in us. I know it has for me. Um, especially coming from the Midwest, a North Dakota. Uh, but like, you know, this this idea that, I mean, marginalized communities have been talking about it forever, the concept of respectability politics. And that there is a specific way that we should live our lives. We have defined it as integrity, although I would venture to say that integrity should be a both ways street. 
And that if somebody is absolutely or a company is absolutely not acting with integrity towards you, what obligation do you have to then play by their rules? I think that this is all being kicked up a lot more because of the political landscape that we've been in for the last six years, where like you have, you know, let's just fucking call it what it is. You've got like, you know, these these hard right conservative keyboard warriors who want to call all of us uh, sensitive, woke snowflakes who get off on cancel culture. And yet they hollered so much on Fox News that M&Ms took away animated candy characters from their ads, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right. And like, and so we look at this and and I think that honestly, we go, whoa, 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 wait. So you're telling me that I've been told my whole life to act a certain way above board with integrity beyond reproach. And I should reach my hand out to everybody else. And regardless of how they treat me, the whole like, they go low, we go high kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Like, we don't go low. We don't meet them where they're at. But obviously, it's not making a fucking difference, right? Companies are still abusing people and they will continue to unless they see ramifications for their actions. It is obviously clearly not enough for too many companies to know that this data exists, that when employees are happy, they will perform better, that even your customers can feel it. Mm-hmm. They can feel whether or not the people who work for your company like their jobs. And it results when people like their jobs and they perform better, it results in happier, more repeat customers over and over and over again. We've seen this scientifically proven. It's been proven for over a decade. Positive conditioning is is what works. Negative reinforcement has gone the way of the buffalo. Buffalo are still alive. I don't know why we say that. But like, I don't, I don't understand how we are still here and now are having to essentially assume what feels like a parental role to be like, fine, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Oh my God. Well, it's like the, the whole thing was like, it's just business, right? Like everything. And it's like, there's this separation between like who you are and then who your business person is. And like, it's just business. It's just like sociopathic behaviors, right? Like if I do something fucked up, it's just business, right? Like, and that's, I mean, that's capitalism. And what they don't like is that being turned on them. Like you said, I love the two example, which like, it's like, well, if it's just business, it's just business, right? Right. But it can't be, it's just business, but also you treat corporations like people because they technically are in the United States of America. Yeah, right. Constitutionally. People are people, but so are corporations. But so so are big businesses. Um, You know, I I had, I I was out with somebody recently who was shocked that, I mean, one, you know, for a business as small as ours, that we were doing things like four-day work weeks and unlimited PTO. And I was like, look, I'm going to level with you. This is not because I fancy myself some kind of trailblazer. Like, 
any trailblazing is purely retroactive. It's I I gave us four day work weeks and unlimited PTO because that's what I wanted for me. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I I just have too much of a fucking conscience, but I was like, it would be really fucked up to hire people and then be like, so I'm going to take these for me. You guys have fun though with two weeks vacation. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't want to be that owner that, that my team feels like they need to talk shit about. I mean, like everybody talks shit, right? Like I, like I'm not, I'm, I'm not under the illusion that like people wouldn't talk about me. Wait, negatively you guys, you guys talk shit about me. Is that what you're, I mean, I talk shit about you to your face. So <laughs> like, yeah, there's like not really any question about that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I want to clarify I, I didn't want for, you know, me to essentially just be somebody that continues to perpetuate this cycle of unfairness. Like, yeah, there are a lot of owners and and not just small business owners. There are a lot of middle fucking managers who operate with this idea that like, well, I had to do this and I earned this. And I maybe I've said this before, but I try not to be reductive and say like there are only two types of people in this world. But really, truly, I believe that there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. There are people who believe that because I, I always use college hazing as an example. There are people who believe that because they got hazed they should get to do it to everybody else, that everybody else who wants this exact position of theirs should go through the exact same thing that they did. I mean, corporations are are hazing. A hundred percent. It is a hundred fucking percent. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's it's very much a frat with some of them more than others. (laughs) Or you have people who go through the hazing and they go, that was terrible. And nobody should have to suffer through this. So I'm, I vote, I move that we don't do this shit anymore. That we find a better way of doing things that doesn't traumatize people. Mm-hmm. Like student loans. Oh my, oh my God. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> nobody should get forgiveness because I can't get forgiveness. I literally can't get forgiveness. And I'm like, I hate that. But I'm so happy for everybody else. <laughs> like for Seamus, this it's like the last little bit before he can start making credit. Like you can't even be a person yet until you pay some that off sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I look around at like you talking about businesses treating people humanely, like. I think you see that with a lot of middle managers. I had to do what I had to do to get here. And therefore you should operate exactly as I did. And I think you see, you definitely see it. You know what? Listeners fucking listen up. Small business culture can be so, so toxic. Mm -hmm. So toxic. Do not believe your own good press 
that because you're a small business, you are fighting the good fight the against the corporations and the way that they do business. Like, period. I know so many small businesses where employees carry everything and the ownership is just toxic sludge. Oh, yeah. And so, like, if you're listening, hopefully you are also somebody who self-examines. But, like, this, this is too often, I think, the, I did this, so you have to be like I did. Yeah. Well, wow. Okay, we got a little carried away here. So I think we're going to end this episode here for today. But make sure to check out part two of this episode where we bring up the shocking fact that employees have lives outside of work. And we finally get to the biggest mistakes myself, Danielle, and Awen have ever made at work. We hope you liked part one of discussing humanity in business. And make sure to check out our YouTube channel or Instagram at Target Snarket for more from today's episode. And be better at work. Hey, bye! Thanks for tuning in to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital. That's B-R-O-A-D dot digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 